Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Okay. What I'd like to speak to you about uh, today is this whole area of fasting. Okay. Now, it seemed to me in the first service that when I mentioned the word fasting, it was, a, it was like a cue to kind of just put yourself on mute. And um, so everybody kind of like went into their shell and, um, you know, they, they, they stopped being responsive and all the rest of it. And, and it took me a while, you know, and then I said, okay, now I know what's going on. I know what's going on. You see, you sitting there and last night you had a fat steak, you see, and now you think I'm having a go at you. You know, and, and so like this kind of like, mm, sheepish, and they put on their Sunday go to church face. You know that one? <laughs> not giving away anything, yeah? And I kind of like, okay, this is not us, you know, we're a people, we talk, you know, we kind of like, you know, there's a little bit of noise, you know? And uh, so it's, uh, it took me a while, um, but then I realized, oh, okay. So let me just say, this is not a message of condemnation. Okay, this is not a, a message to kind of bring any judgment or, or anything like that. In fact, probably it's best to be used in the context of a, another fast at another time. Yeah, because I don't want you to feel like I'm manipulating you to do something. Okay, because can we just be free of that? Okay, all I'm wanting to do is just bring a little bit of insight into this biblical discipline of fasting. Okay, and because there's been, you know, so much, you know, around fasting and and some of it is is useful and some of it is very unhelpful. And, And so people walk away with all kinds of very unusual thoughts or approaches to this thing of fasting. And of course, we're talking about biblical spiritual fasting. We're not just talking about intermittent fasting that people are doing just in terms of diet and physique and that kind of stuff, all right? But it's interesting that the world has caught on that actually fasting just naturally has got some good benefits for you. And I spent a little bit of time last week just touching on one or two things. But we want to focus on, you know, what's the biblical value, the, the purpose, the benefit of us actually engaging in a time of fasting? Is this good? Because if we can see, hey, there's some, there's some benefit, in fact, there's a reward to this, then I actually, I will willingly join in. But if I'm up here with a big shambok beating you and saying, you're not good enough because you didn't fast enough, then it will trip you into legalism. And we've just been spending a few weeks trying to get you out of legalism and into the spirit. So we're not doing this because this is a law. We're not doing this because, you know, uh, people are forcing you to do it. What I want to do is just extend to you an invitation and it doesn't have an expiry date. Yeah, you can use it whenever. And of course, it's, it's a multiple-use invitation. 
All right. Tough crowd. Okay. So, I'm going to just touch on a few principles first, and then we will uh, move to a couple of scriptures, if that's okay with you. So, why do we fast? One of the big components of biblical fasting is to humble ourselves before the Lord. Because when we fast, we get into a, a state in our physical frame where we, we're not as strong as we thought we were. And we get into a place where we recognize our dependence upon the Lord. And so we're, we're humbling ourselves physically and our strength perhaps diminishes. But there's also a spiritual component to humbling ourselves. And so it's from the heart that we also are coming before the Lord. And what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, these things, these situations that we're praying about are too big for us people to handle on our own. In fact, most of us, the stuff we're facing is, is way too big. We, we can't even do anything. We've tried and actually we failed. So now, Lord, we need your intervention. And so it's asking the Lord that he would intervene on, on behalf of the affairs of men. This is good. And it's a humbling thing to, to recognize our weakness and his power. Our smallness and his magnificence. And so there's this process that's taking place in us during this time of coming before the Lord with prayer and with fasting. Now, we've mentioned before that if you're just abstaining from food, it's more like a hunger strike than actually fasting. Okay, It needs to have this component of prayer. In other words, fasting is supercharging your prayers. If you're not praying, you're supercharging not much. So there needs to be this aspect of prayer, of seeking the Lord, that we're adding the fasting to. But our, our prayer actually is the main focus. Okay? And of course, we've mentioned that there are different types of fasting and, and these kinds of things. And, and for some, we'll find one type of fasting easier than another. So uh, there have been different times and seasons in my life when I've fasted, sometimes you know, much more than at others. And, um, and you know, f f when I get into a fasting sort of season, so to speak, I find that a a water only, we call it a full fast, uh, but I find that a water only fast is actually easier than doing a partial fast. It's like, you know you go to the party when you're not fasting and there's a bowl of chips there and it's your favorite and you take one. Try and stop. That's hard, right? So for when you vacillate between full fasting and what we call Daniel fasting, it actually comes quite a challenge. For me, that's my experience. Okay? For some people, this thing of the media fast 
is killing them. It's the hardest challenge of them all. Go without food, that's easy. Go without social media, that's my life, man. Not me, but I'm just saying. Yeah, we've all got our different things. Uh, I think I've told you once or twice before what I think of some of the social media platforms. I won't go into it now. So, as we are tracking with the Spirit, we're not fasting because it's legalistic obedience. Like, oh, it's on the calendar, therefore we must fast. We're fasting because we sense an invitation by the Spirit that we should enter into a time of fasting. And we mentioned that, you know, you build up, you know, don't go flat out from the beginning. You know, if you've never fasted before, try one day. If you've done one day, try three. If you've done three, try five. If you've done five, go for seven. Seven, go for 14. Done 14, go for 21. In other words, you're building up your fasting muscles, so to speak. You're learning how your body functions and how you should be you know, adjusting your program and schedule in order to give the correct focus to fasting that it requires. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's no compulsion and there's no, um, no sense of stress or anything like that this morning. So the benefits, as we humble ourselves physically, we recognize that we are not gaining our strength from our food. It's not the nutrients in the food that's giving us the strength to get through every day. Our strength comes from the Lord. We know that the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? And so this needs to be a happy time. We'll see later on where you know, there was some correcting going on of people who were mourning as they were fasting, putting on a long, sad face. And that's not the kind of fasting that actually we're called to fast. So this is a joy-filled fast. And so we're getting our strength from the Lord rather than food. And so what it's doing is it's reinforcing in our hearts and our minds our dependence upon the Lord. Hmm. See, there's a reason why Jesus said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Have you heard of that? All right, come do the finance course and I'll tell you that he didn't say it's hard for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom. He said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. So we've got a difference here. So, the part of the rich people's challenge is they've got so much that they can rely on their riches. And it's hard for them to have devotion and dependence on the Lord when you're self-sufficient. And that's why it's hard for them to lay that all aside and to enter the kingdom. As the rich young ruler found out. Okay, so when we've got all the food we need, it's kind of like the prayer, give us today our daily bread, doesn't mean a lot to us. 
but as somebody who is, 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 um, is financially poor. Because remember, the scriptures make a big distinction between those who are spiritually poor and those who are financially poor. Sometimes we gloss over and it just says the poor and we think, oh, it must be people who are poor financially. Very often it's actually talking about people who are poor spiritually. There are many poor people, spiritually poor people in the world. In fact, we've got a few billion of them. So it's not about money, it's about spiritually poor. Okay, so when we fast, we reconnect with this clear sense of our dependence on the Lord for our sustenance. That's a fantastic thing to do, okay? Here's another benefit. When, when I'm fasting, I'm bringing myself under self-control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have to walk past the fridge. Do not pause. Do not collect 200. Keep going. Right? And, and so I have to actually control my impulses. And I have to quieten the voice of my flesh, which says, I'm going to die. No, you're not going to die. All right? You can go many days with water and without food many days okay so but your flesh doesn't like it and obviously the first few days in the detox process you know the headaches because you're getting rid of all the stuff that's been built up into your system over the years and it takes a while for that you know the sugars and the caffeines and and all of these toxic things that we consume with our highly processed diet these days it's actually got to work out of our system and the body kind of like what's going on here okay but you come out the other side after a few days and then you get to look like what Daniel and his friends did. They were healthier than all the other dudes who were on the king's choice foods. They were much healthier. And so this, there's, a, there's a physical benefit to this detoxing process. But there's all kinds of other things that take place as well. We begin to find that our, the spiritual earwax dissolves and we can hear better this is a great benefit a great spiritual benefit of our fasting is increased sensitivity to the voice of the Lord and one of the reasons is that coupled with prayer is very often an increased time spent in the word and he speaks to us through the word he is the living word the word became flesh, dwelt among us. It was recorded, written down. We have it in the scriptures. We call it the word. So the eternal word, the living word, the word made flesh speaks to us today as we read the word. So we're hearing his voice and it's coming, a lot of it is coming through the scriptures. So we find that as we read passages we've read before, all of a sudden, Oh my goodness, I never saw this before. Like, did you see this? I mean, was that verse there before? 
you suddenly get a revelation that goes to another level because you are finally tuning your spirit to the Holy Spirit. And fasting enables us to move aside some of the clutter. For example, if you spend a lot of your time thinking about food, you're going to notice during a season of fasting, you have a lot more time on your hands. Hmm? Now listen, some people, you know, go to the fridge, pull it out, throw it in the microwave, and uh, bang it on the table, down the hatch, on you go. Food is not a big deal. There are a few people like that. We'll pray for them later. There's some people on the other extreme, they spend their whole day dreaming about what for supper. Yeah? And there's like a whole planning thing that's going on. You know, it's like hunting and looking through for new recipes and, you know, finding ways like, okay, let's combine this with that and let's add this flavor there and then figuring out how we're going to present it nicely and, and make a whole occasion out of it, right? And so there's some people that do it only on special occasions. There's some people who live like that every day. So we got, we, we've got that. And, and I'm not talking about the people in the catering industry. Of course you've got to do that. That's your job. I'm talking about some of us who watch the, the cooking channel just because we love food so much. Yeah? And, and we took that verse about I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. It's kind of like taking that verse very seriously. And, um, and they're walking in the fullness of God. Okay, and um, look, we've all got different body types, different body shapes, our bodies, you know, metabolism, all this kind of stuff is different. So we, we, we're not all going to look the same, all right? For some of you, you're kind of wishing you'd lived about, you know, 2,000 years ago, where if you were, you know, a sizable person, you would have been the envy of everyone. Because it was a sign that you were favored and highly blessed, Mm. You see, you see, like, like Abel, he brought the fat portions. He brought the best. Yeah? yeah. So, hey, the Middle Ages, they were painting and they were voluptuous people. All right? That was, that was you know, the cover of Vogue magazine in the 1600s. You know, skinny runts like me, no ways. You know, like there's something wrong with you, suffering from malnutrition. Clearly, you don't have enough money to buy food so that you can look like this. Okay? So, you know, seasons come and go and all the rest of it, okay? But what, we, what, we, what I'm talking about, not so much about the quantity of food that you're eating, but the fact that it's uppermost in your mind. It's like, oh, you know, remember that restaurant we went to? You go to a trip down memory lane, and your eyes start watering, and your mouth starts watering, and you can, oh, remember, oh, mm. there are people like that, okay? Now, there's a difference between being a connoisseur and, and that sort of thing, and someone who is now addicted to food, and all they can think about is food. I'm talking about this thing. 
this preoccupation with food. So when we fast, we're making a break with that preoccupation. Mm -hmm. There's some people, and Paul went to to warn some of the, the churches, and he said, hey, be careful, because these people have made a God of their stomachs. In other words, they're so focused on their food that they, as though they're worshiping their stomachs by continually providing fresh offerings. So when we fast, we're learning this thing of self-control I touched on earlier. You see, when I come under self-government, oh my goodness, let me interrupt myself again. Who knew that every time you choose to fast, someone in the office is going to have a birthday and they're going to bring the biggest cake you've ever seen? Yeah? Or there's an office party or there's some function you've got to go to. Some relative is having a big celebration and you have to go. Always, right? Okay. So... Opportunities for you to exercise self-control. Yeah, You see, if somebody has locked the pantry and locked the fridge, you can't get in there. It's external control. But when the fridge swings easily on its hinge, because you've tested it, you know it doesn't even squeak in the middle of the night. Isn't that convenient? You've had to exercise self-control to walk past the pantry. Your neighbor's having a braai again. Right? It's like a fragrant offering. Sometimes it becomes a burnt offering if he doesn't watch it properly. But and uh, and it causes you to exercise your self-control muscles a little more. You're growing in your self-control. So when we fast, we're giving ourselves an opportunity to grow into the nature of God. Because one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And we know that the fruit of the Spirit, it's the outworking, it's the demonstration, it's the showing off It's the fruit of who he is. The very essence, the core, the nature of God is revealed in the fruit of the Spirit. So let these things work in our lives. And so some of us don't have a lot of self-control. I mean, you see it with kids, you know, there's a party or a, you know, big, you know, family celebration and it's like, you know, serve yourselves. And the kids rush to the table and their eyes go like this and they look at all the nice stuff and they load their plate. And we say your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Okay? In other words, self-control has gone out of the window. They've been enticed to go after something actually they can't even consume. I mean, they don't even think, I could never eat this. So that's what a lack of self-control can do is causes us to get out of order, out of alignment. 
So when we deliberately give ourselves an opportunity to grow in this thing of self-control through something like fasting, it enables us to become mature. And we can apply that same kind of growth in self-control to other things. Yeah? I mean, if I used to be a smoker and I walk past somebody who's smoking, it's like there could be some kind of a, a nudge. Hey, a temptation. Hey, how about it? Right? So you've got to exercise self-control to say, no, I've made a decision. I'm not going to be defiling my body. Right? Because, I mean, we know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. True? That would be true, yes. And we know that when Solomon dedicated the temple of God, the smoke of God filled the temple. Right? So the devil wants to give us a counterfeit. All right? So he says, hey, I tell you what, I'm going to take your body and use it for my glory instead of you taking your body and using it for the glory of God. So I'm going to take this temple and I'm going to fill it with my smoke, which is a counterfeit. A lot of people smoke because they go, oh, I'm so anxious. You know, I feel peaceful. Oh, that would be a counterfeit. Why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Any substitute for the Prince of Peace So, you know, there's something about why, why this thing about, it, it, gosh, did you see people during hard lockdown? When the auntie in charge of that Corona council said, please don't smoke. Yo, it's amazing. Skellum operations like you couldn't believe. And a carton of cigarettes were going for hundreds of rands. Even thousands, yes. I won't ask you how you know, but anyway. So, so the point is, the point is about self-control. Like we want to say, Holy Spirit, you have control. I'm yielding and surrendering my life to you. And this is a, this is a, a willing yielding. He doesn't force us to yield. He invites us to yield. Yeah? And so in that invitation, he invites us because he knows it's going to be for our benefit. So we're learning this thing of self-control. You know, we come out the other side and we say, you know, I look a little bit better in the mirror now. I've got a bit more room in my clothes. My belt down a couple of notches. True? Yes. So, you know what? Actually, I think I've learned something. I'm feeling like I've got more energy because I've got through the detox stage and I'm a bit like Daniel. I'm looking better than the people who are eating the choice foods. Huh? Listen, he didn't do that for the whole of his life, by the way. Hello? Didn't do that for all of his life. There was a season, there was a preparation season that they were doing that. Okay? 
So, we're growing in self-control. We're growing in our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Because we're attuning ourselves. We're saying, Lord, what are you saying about the situation? Okay? So we know that the country's in a complete mess. Don't have to be prophetic to know that. But Lord, what are you saying? And so when we pray, we're not praying from our place of anxiety and stress and anguish. Like, I paid my taxes and look what the people used with my money. Or didn't use with my money. They just stole it. Right? And, and, and so we can, we, can, we can get into a place of despondency because we know that, for, and we were praying about uh, service delivery yesterday. And we know that the standard of things was at this level for most of the nation in the different departments, and it's down here somewhere. Right? And it's kind of like, Lord, whew, will things ever change? Now, if we're praying from the natural realm with our natural mind, it's, kind of like, it's just going to be more of the same. But when we go up into heaven and we're praying from heaven's perspective and the Bible reveals God and his nature and he's in the heavens and this is who he is. So when we draw from who he is and how he looks at things, Lord, what do you say about South Africa? Are you hopeless or hopeful? And apparently, according to the scriptures, God is never hopeless. So I think we got an answer. He must be hopeful about South Africa. Yeah? And, um, and of course, there have been many prophetic words, and so we know that we are not going to be a goat nation, but a sheep nation. Have you ever wondered why there's a difference between sheep and goats? I mean, just a, just a natural observable thing. Oscar Farmer, when a sheep grazes, it will graze down to the shoots and then it will leave. But a goat, rip the whole thing out, roots and all. And that's why it leaves devastation. Deserts form. Wherever they are goats, Man, they cause destruction. I grew up in, in between the Siskai and the Transkai. There were green patches where there were no goats, and then devastation where there were goats. It's kind of like, it's not that hard, guys. You don't need to take a scientific degree to figure out that goats are not good roaming around like that. Okay? So he separates out the goats that cause destruction from the sheep that are his. Okay. So, let's move along to, to the next thing. We're able to see more because we hear more because we read more. And the Lord puts things in our hearts in this season getting us ready for the next season. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll look at a passage just now, if someone can stop the clock. Um, with Jesus, I tell you what, let's bounce around. Is that okay? Because I just 
feel to, to just jump there. So would you go with me please to Mark chapter nine and verse 14. Mark chapter nine, verse 14. And um, when they came to the other disciples, verse 14, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. Wow, that's an unusual response. They saw Jesus and they were overwhelmed with wonder. Why? That would be because they had just come down the mountain of transfiguration. Where Jesus was transfigured and his clothes were shining as bright as the noonday sun. You remember what happened to Moses when he went up the mountain and he had a God encounter and the glory of the Lord was so on him that his face actually began to shine. And the people kind of like, whoa, what's going on? And it was very intriguing and kind of like, that's too much, whatever. Then he would put a little bit of a veil over his face because the people were too scared to approach him. But there was something visible about the glory of the Lord on Moses. We have a similar kind of thing happening with Jesus. So there's this residual glory that's on Jesus and the people were overwhelmed. Is that what your Bible says? Okay, this would be yes. That's what my Bible says. Overwhelmed. Come on, there had to have been something that caused them to be overwhelmed. Doesn't record when they ran to Jesus at other times that they were overwhelmed. because I'm reading it now during a time of fasting and my eyes are open to see some new things. Isn't this cool, man? All right. So they ran to greet him. Then Jesus asked them what they're asking about. I'm just gonna give you the synopsis. And the father says, hey, my boy's you know, been demonized um, and gets thrown in the fire and tries to kill him and drown him. It's like a very destructive demon. And I asked your disciples, and the boys could, couldn't handle this thing. And so I'm wondering, can you sort this out? So um, verse 22, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Pause. We're praying for our nation. Lord, if you can do anything. It's an absolute mess. We and the disciples, we've done our best. I don't know if you can do anything about this situation. Is South Africa too far gone? No, no, no. Because as I interrupted my interruption, sheep and goats, we're not a goat nation. Prophetic words, we're a sheep nation. We're God's chosen. So because of those prophetic words... All right, we're holding on to those things and we're praying and we're saying, Lord, different from what we see now, that's what we pray. Where we are now is not the, the final destination. This is not the way we're just parking and, okay, live like this. No ways. We do not accept the status quo. There's enough minerals, there's enough materials, there's enough skill, manpower, all these kinds of things in this nation to turn it around. 
Yeah? We just need the correct opportunities in order for it to turn around. Some of it is legislative and some of it is governmental. Most of it is governmental. All right. That's why when you have a righteous leader, the people rejoice. When there's righteousness in those who rule and govern, then they're doing it on behalf of the people instead of thinking that the people are there to pay them a salary. We'll talk politics another day. All right, but if you can do anything, verse 22, take pity on us and help us. In verse 23, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Elsewhere, God said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All right, and so when we're praying into the nation with God, all things are possible. So that's why we pray outrageous prayers, ridiculous prayers, supernatural prayers, because we've got to move beyond just the natural. Listen, we've tried in the natural to fix things. It's only taken us so, so far, probably actually even taken us backwards. Now when you say, Lord, would you come intervene and cause us to step into what you have said we would be? Is this right? So it's challenging prayers to pray these things, even though you drive home through the pothole and you've just been praying for roads. All right? Come on, let's just be real. Okay, it's a challenge for us, but the Lord is causing us to stretch our faith, not what is seen, but we're calling what is unseen, the things that are not as though they were. So we're calling things by faith into this generation. Yeah? We're not leaving it for another 150 years when we don't need roads because we're all flying around in spacecraft. We don't want to wait that long. You don't think you're going to be around here 150 years' time? Maybe not. Doesn't matter. We're always planning and thinking about the next generation and the next generation. Is this good? Come and do eschatology. So immediately the father's boy explained, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Oh my goodness, one of the most honest statements in the Bible. Somebody just talking and just saying, listen, I'm trying to believe, but help me with my unbelief. I think that's, that's a good place for us to be can borrow this line. Plagiarism from the Bible is, is encouraged. It's borrowed. So, Lord, I believe, but I'm not sure if I'm believing wholeheartedly. I'd like to, so help me. Yeah, Because I want to get there, but I need to grow there. And so as we are wrestling through things and praying through things, we'll find that our faith begins to expand, enlarge, and grow. Okay? Verse 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. In other words, he wanted to cut down really quickly. We're not making a big scene. We're not making a big show. This was not a public demonstration. Look how big I am. Look how strong I am. Look what a ministry I have. 
Oh my goodness, I've seen some shocking things across the continent when it comes to deliverance, making public spectacles of it. Jesus wasn't trying to, Jesus was not going to give the demon any credit. He just shut that thing down. Yeah. In fact, when, in, uh, you'll see in verse 20, when Jesus rocked up on the scene, the demon started you know, throwing a bit of a hissy fit. Jesus didn't even pay it any attention. Talk to the Father. So I'm going to ignore you. You're nothing, man. Okay. So he said, you deaf and mute spirit, command you come out of him and never enter him again. So the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and he came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Verse 28. After that Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Verse 29, which is the crux. He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Some manuscripts will say only by prayer and fasting. Okay, so depending which of the manuscripts they used. Um, anyway, we're not going to fuss about it because we like the verse anyway. But the point is that Jesus was saying there was a key that was involved in this boy getting free from that demonic oppression. It was prayer, prayer and fasting. So now the question is, when did Jesus have an opportunity to pray from coming down the mountain and saying, what are you guys arguing about? To out. And of course he didn't do out in Jesus' name because that would be weird. He just said out. So, he didn't have time to fast or pray, like go off and shut himself in a closet and whatever for a few days. It was there on the spot. And he said, hey guys, this is the result of prayer and fasting. So when did he do it? Because clearly he didn't do it on that day, because that would have been a very minimal fast. Yeah. I mean, I find it really funny when people say, yeah, I fasted, I fasted breakfast. Well, many a day I was running late. I didn't have breakfast. First meal was lunchtime. I didn't call it a fast, but nevertheless. So when did Jesus have time to fast? When did he have time to pray? Clearly he'd done it before this event. And we know that Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And during that time, what was happening was he was connecting and he was in tune with the Father in absolute unity and harmony. And he was strengthening himself in his Father. And so by the time he gets to the 40th day and he's facing the devil, he is so pumped and amped the devil doesn't stand a chance. And he's so full of, I mean, he's the living word anyway, but he's so full of the, the word just pours out of him. Whatever the enemy brings at him, he just got the word that just pours back. And the, he was defeated by the word. Enemy, tail between the legs, skulking off. Yeah? 
I mean, you, you read the scripture there. Before Jesus, after the water baptism, before he goes into the wilderness, it says that he's full of the Spirit. But it says he came out of the wilderness full of the power of the Spirit. Oh my goodness. So can we conclude that a benefit of fasting is to be empowered by God? And so he is slugging it out there with the devil. And this is kind of like step into the ring, one punch, down. Next, please. Oh, there is only one devil. Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't ever... Look, the devil is there. He's real and he does stuff. But please don't magnify the devil. Do not make him bigger than he is. Yeah. He said that serpent, that wily old thing, I'm going to crush his head, man. All right? And Paul writes to the Romans and he says, he's soon going to be crushed under your feet. Because we're in Christ Jesus, we get to be part of him crushing the enemy. There's a co-crushing going on here. We're getting our revenge on the devil. From the fall. We took the fall. And now we're getting our revenge on the devil. That's why we get to be a part of... You're looking at me funny. How do you get the title overcomer at the end without overcoming? He's causing us to be the overcomers. Mm. All right. So Jesus, with the fasting, is full of the power of God, continues to move and do these things comes into this situation he's been prepared in a previous time of fasting for this thing that he's about to get into and he says to the disciples see this is the result of prayer and fasting in other words he's giving them an invitation you want to do these things and he did give them that invitation even greater works you will do all right so, what did Jesus do to do his works? Now, what do we need to do to do the greater works? It's an invitation. It's, it's, you're not being, you know, forced into this thing. By the way, with fasting, what we are not doing is trying to bargain with God. Like, I will fast for three days and then you must do this. Fill in the blank. You know, heal this person, resolve my housing crisis, you know, I need whatever financial situation, whatever it is. We're not trying to, you know, arm wrestle God that through my fasting, I've actually got something on God. So I'm not manipulating God through my actions. Listen, God is God and we are subjects, servants of the king. 
Yeah? We can't do a few things and say, yeah, we got you. Now you have to do this. God doesn't have to do anything. God is God. So I'm not approaching. My whole attitude is I'm humbling myself. It's surrender. It's not like, well, I'm empowering myself so I can point a finger and tell God what he must do. Concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. Complete misunderstanding of the original language and a mistranslation. Not a translation, a misunderstanding, a misinterpretation. He's asking a rhetorical question. Concerning the work of my hands, you commanding me? Question mark? Who do you think you are? Go down to the house of the potter. Go and watch him working with the clay. Now who's the clay and who's the potter? You guys, you be the clay, I be the potter. Don't you tell me what to do. And I'm telling you, there are major branches of Christianity. God, according to your word, we command you. Where's the lightning? Where's the fear of God? Don't mess with the living God. Fasting is not a tool to manipulate him, to get him what we want him to do. It's not a bargaining chip. Hey, I did this for you, therefore you must do this for me. No such thing. Lord, I need you. Our country needs you. We're crying out to you. We're humbling ourselves. Have mercy upon us. Joel chapter 2, he says, return to the Lord Rend your heart. Come with repentance. Come with weeping and prayer and fasting. And turn to the Lord that he might return to you. Hey, that's another key. Another benefit. That's a key to revival. If you return to me, I will return to you. I'm going to come in a whole new way. Revival. And one of the keys is fasting. It's an invitation. It's not forced on anybody. But would you like to participate in this? Yeah? Yes, of course, there have been times when fasts were called. You know, think about Esther. Yeah? She's kind of like, dudes, I'm going in and uh, I might lose my head. If you'd like, I'd love for you to pray and fast with me. Let's try three days. And, and maybe God will do something. But it was a humbling before the Lord because there had no one else to turn to. Because they were about to be wiped out. And yes, that was a corporate thing. Joel, you know, blow the trumpet, call a sacred assembly. Yes, and there are times for us to do it in a, in a corporate way. And I didn't get to the, the section in Matthew chapter 6 where, where Jesus said, listen, you know, don't make a big show of it. It's not an external thing. You know, wash your face. Because they were putting ash on their face and kind of go, oh, I haven't eaten since lunchtime. You know? And, and their show was all like a religious external nonsense thing. And he said, don't do that. Wash your face. Put oil on your head. Look good, man. 
Don't draw attention to yourself because if you do it in secret, your heavenly father, he knows what you're doing. He's the one who's going to reward you. Ah, there's some benefits to fasting. Now, a reward is different from, you know, I'm getting paid for this thing. It's not a transaction. You know, a reward is different from a transaction. A payment is not a reward. A reward, sometimes it's a surprise reward. Hey, you do that with your kids sometimes. Hey, you did so well, have an ice cream. Next time they do well, they think they're getting an ice cream. <laughs> nope, not this time. We're, you know, we're going to do something else. Okay? And God sometimes gives us rewards, things we never earned. And, and sometimes it comes weeks or months later and we don't connect it to that season there. Just needed a little bit of a time for the harvest to come to fullness to come to us. Sometimes it's instant and sometimes it takes time. It's kind of like, wow, God, this is amazing. It's like, yeah, just want to bless you, reward you. Because you were seeking me, you moved my heart. Ah, here you go. Love you. Just a love gift. Didn't earn it. This is out of love. Mm hmm. So, we have this opportunity to respond to an invitation to draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And that's really what this is about. We're doing it on behalf of ourselves. Yeah? We're getting ourselves fighting fit because we know that there's some things coming down the line. And I think that this season of fasting is mostly about getting us ready for what we're about to face. You know when Jesus said to the disciples, boys, get in the boat, go across, I'll meet you on the other side. They had a word from Jesus, I will meet you on the other side. So they get in the boat and they're rowing, it's all merrily, merrily down, it wasn't a stream, anyway, across the Galilee, and next thing a storm arises, and the storm is about to do them in. Calamity. The word of Jesus is the kind of thing that they could have held on to to pull him through to take them to the other side. Because Jesus said, I will meet you on the other side. Just because you have a word from the Lord, just because you've had a time of fasting, doesn't mean that there won't be a storm between us and our destiny. And what the Lord is putting in our hearts now, and there's a strengthening that's coming to us that's going to help us to push through some of the storms that we're about to face. And those storms are coming even closer. Even closer. If you study economics, you know what I'm talking about. It's imminent. Okay? Now, we're not operating in fear and panic because we know that he's the God of all seasons. He's the God of the whole world. And he can take care of his own. If under the old covenant, he could give manna every day, and the old covenant was an inferior covenant, how much more as partakers of the new covenant, which is superior, will he not give us all things? So if he could give the manna then, he's got better things in store for us under a better covenant. 
So we don't mope around and kind of like, oh my goodness, what happened to the 300 trillion US dollars that China just lost? You know, what's happening to their economy, the ripple effect? What's happened to the 3 trillion that the US lost in the first six months of this year on their stock exchanges and everybody's pension funds have gone for a ball of chalk and the inflation rate at record highs and fuel prices at highs and how are we going to do all this? And we're all done for. No, we're not. No, we're not. God can take millions of people through a wilderness where there is nothing and sustain them for 40 years. He doesn't need anything to sustain you. So what he's speaking into our hearts now in this season as we're praying into all these things is giving us his heart and his perspective for things. So that if things get worse or there's a storm, whatever, hey, this is not the answer to our prayers. We know we're going through this thing, coming out the other side. Praise be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come, let's stand. So we just pray together, yeah? Yeah, that'd be good. You want to take the hand of somebody near you? Somebody you like, just give them a squeeze. Want to go for a date, give them a double squeeze. As long as you're not already married. But uh, Best time in the service for singles, like hold hands. Lord, we're yours. All that we are, all that we have, we surrender. You gave your all for us. And what have we got except all that you have given to us anyway? Everything comes from you. So we surrender our lives. We surrender our futures to you. And we ask, Lord, that you would move powerfully on behalf of your people, the prayers, the worship, the declarations, prophetic words, all the interventions in the supernatural and in the natural, that there would be blessing and favor on all these things that would bring a shift and an alignment of our lives and this nation under your rule and your reign. To you be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen. Amen, amen. Bless you, bless you, bless you.